0: Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Mariko, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now.
1: Hey, welcome. We are Jim and Martha Brangenberg, and we're hoping today that the show will just cause you to dig deeper in your faith. It will cause you to have larger kingdom thinking, that it will transform the way you look at leadership from a perspective of another leader. Every show, we always talk about impact, and we talk about leadership, and we always talk about outcomes. What do they look like? Today, we're talking with Dr. Nathan Miller. He's the president of Strata Leadership, and he's going to share his story today. Nathan Miller, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm looking forward to a great conversation. So before we get talking talk about leadership, before we get to talk about Strata Leadership, we're going to talk about you. How are you keeping your faith fresh, and how are you keeping your leadership Christ-centered? You know, uh, during these times, it's been a
2: a really interesting thing to me because um, a lot of times we struggle with our faith growing because we're not involved in things that require a lot of faith. Mm -hmm. And they they definitely don't require a lot of growing faith if we want to be really uh, transparent about it. And this time has been an interesting time because it has forced us to focus on on God because everything else that we might've been able to count on has been taken away. Mm. And right now we're going through a study of Isaiah. And and I find this, uh, it's a fascinating moment because Isaiah, in Isaiah 46 and 47, is uh, making the case to follow God versus the idols. Because what he's saying to the people is that you've been following uh, them, Uh, These idols. And what's that doing for you versus looking to God? Because God has been there before. He is here now and he'll be there in the future. But the main idea is that everything that will distract you from God will be taken away. And in those moments, where do you want to look? And
1: for me right now, it's been a time of uh, renewal. So how do you? So what are you doing though? I mean, yes, time and renewal, but are there specific things that you do that keep your faith and your leadership Christ centered? Like, what do you do on a daily basis?
2: Well, there to me, are, there are a lot of things that you can do, but part of that is recognizing that right now your your brain is struggling to find equilibrium. You're dealing with all of this uncertainty, and your brain craves routine. And so your brain's only 2 or 3% of your overall body weight, but it takes up 15 to 20% of your overall energy use per day. Hmm. And so your body wants there to be routine so that your brain doesn't have to work as hard. Right now, everybody's brain is working really hard. And so what you're looking for are those quiet times. For me, it's being able to, in part, just listen to uh, music. I, I enjoy, oddly enough right now, just listening to hymns being able to hear the words differently. And so I'll I'll take little breaks. I'll sit outside, which I enjoy being outside, and I'll sit in my chair, listen to people sing. And honestly, I don't recall a time where I would just sit and listen to people singing hymns. And maybe it's a throwback to previous times, but it's a time that I'm I'm very thankful for to have and, and time to be able to refocus. And then just to recognize that what we're going through it's not something that should be wasted. Mm. When you think about the idea of character, and I don't mean this in a, in a flippant way. I mean, I, I really mean this. When you think about character formation, our company focuses a lot on character. But the challenge of character is that character is always a byproduct of pain. And so when you look at suffering, which produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And so to see how God always redeems suffering, and I look at that and I think uh, there is hope in this if we are willing to endure. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say these times are not hard. it's not to say anxiety isn't real, but just to say that there's a promise that has been made to us that if we will persevere in times like these, the result is something that is always good because God mm-hmm. redeems pain.
3: And I know a lot of people are praying in that direction as well. And, you know, whether it's in our individual lives or corporately, um, that can be the case. So let's talk about strata leadership. Tell us what that is. So we kind of have a context for your leadership.
2: Strata leadership is a a leadership company. It's a full service leadership company. We do uh, assessments and cultural analyses and coaching, training, all the things that you would uh, expect. We work with companies and organizations throughout the the country and around the world, and it's a it's a way to be able to serve people uh, in a um, secular context where you can uh, help people think through where they want to go in life and help them uh, process the strategy needed for their organizations to succeed. And it's something that uh, I'm very passionate about and I'm very thankful to be able to do.
3: Awesome. So in the midst of that, what kind of kingdom impact are you seeing by the work that you guys are doing?
2: You know, I think about God's plan for the church and that his wisdom would be made known through the church. And that when you look at all the things that God wants us to do, at the core of it is to serve. And when we serve people, we are fulfilling our mission, we're fulfilling our purpose. And I found a great deal of um, comfort in that idea that if you are willing to serve, you will always have a purpose, but it requires for you to scan the horizon and look for uh, where is the pain, and then how can we use what we have uh, to help each other through that, uh, through that time? And so when I think about what we get to do with strata, we get to serve people uh, when they're trying to think through the, the big
1: moments of their lives.) Mm-hmm. How much of that time, when you're serving these people and you're, and you're feeding into them, how much of that time do you get to help coach them through recognizing God's part in their lives?
2: You know, it's interesting because uh, coaching is different than counseling and it's different than mentoring. Sure it is. So, when you're dealing with uh, counseling, you're often dealing with past tense. This is, these are the things that have happened in your life. Mentoring is present tense. And then to uh, coach is to look to the future. Where are we going from here? Coaching tends to be future tense. Mm -hmm. So what that allows you to do is to help people imagine what's next. Where do you want to go from here? And for people to be able to think about the future, to be able to be creative requires them not to be in a position of fear because your, your brain really works and it's like a gear shift. It can work in survival mode. Or can work in creative mode, but it can't work in both. So when you're in survival mode, everything is right on you. You're trying to get through the minute, the hour, Mm -hmm. the day. Maybe you've gotten a phone call that someone that you love uh, is sick, has been injured, maybe they've passed away. When you get that phone call, you're just trying to get through the moment. You're in survival mode. For someone to say, so what are you going to do three months from now about all of this? is not only an inappropriate question, it's a wasted question because you're not there. You, right. You're not able to think that way. Right. So in coaching, you're able to talk to people about uh, where, where are you going next? Where, where do you, when you can imagine the future here, the ideal version of you in this moment, hmm. it allows them to imagine, if I were someone who was patient, how would I handle this meeting? If I were being kind... If I were not being rude. And if I go down that list, the the one thing that Satan cannot duplicate is love. Right. When you think about helping people imagine, what would it be like if I were more um, caring in this moment? If I didn't keep the record of the wrong, Hmm. what would that be like? And and what I find in in my uh, business is that people can come from all different walks of life. They may come from all different belief systems. But the world may be tired of certain components of uh, religion, but they're not tired of compassion. They're not tired of us caring. And in those moments, we get to anticipate and think about, who would I be if I were living the
1: way that I really wanted to live? When we come back, lots more with Dr. Nathan Miller, president of Strata Leadership. We'll be right back.
3: Many things in life are out of your control, but you can control the content you listen to. I Work For Him has created a podcast with you in mind. Subscribe to the I Work For Him PowerPod on your favorite podcast platform, and you can choose to listen on demand. Shows release several times per week and offer 15-minute highlights of content to help you learn to transform your workplace into a mission field. Subscribe today by searching for I Work For Him PowerPod on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Hey, welcome back as we talk with Dr. Nathan Meller, president of Strata Leadership. And we're going to shift this way in this segment to a little bit more of your leadership journey.
3: So, Nathan, tell us about how God has taken you on a journey to, so that you were ready to be in the leadership role that you're in right now, actually leading leaders.
2: You know, I am very fortunate. Uh, even from a young age, I recognized that I was growing up in a family of, uh, with a mom and a dad who cared deeply about people and did the best they could to help other people uh, succeed. And when I think back about it, I, I don't... I don't actually remember a time growing up, for example, when we didn't have foster kids in our in our home, Mm -hmm. whether they were there for a week or two, um, typically there for two or three years at a time. And I knew very early on in life that somebody has to step up and somebody has to step in. And in our family, that was something that was expected in um, with my mom and my, my dad, that was something that they really focused on of how do we um, let you see the world as it is. Mm. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but my dad was a um, high school football coach and a teacher and a preacher. And he preached like a football coach, which was <laughs> uh, uh, always compelling. Yes. <laughs> but he would say to me and my brother, my brother's an inner city um, principal in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he would say to us, boys, I'm raising you to be giant killers. Mm -hmm. And he would create an adaptation. And it was not that we were doing that, but he would say, God gave you these um, opportunities to honor him. Mm -hmm. And it was from a very early age that you you could do something here. When I was uh, 14 went to Guyana, South America for the first time with my, my dad. And again, my dad's just a, he's just a guy. He's just trying to help. But we would go down there and we would um, do these mission trips. And then we would go to the, the hospital in the hospital. There's a public hospital and they had a lot of HIV uh, challenges there. They still do. And so we would go to the hospital and there was a section where all of these children had been abandoned and they had HIV And there was nobody there for Mm. them. And so my dad, for whatever reason, he was drawn to that. And and he would take us there. And as a 14-year-old boy, I remember uh, there was a um, little patio there at the hospital with a screened-in porch area. And we would sit there on the rocking chairs, and we would um, rock those uh, babies to Mm. sleep. And I... Um, I guess I just felt pretty early on in life that you can make a difference. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And whether that was just sitting there holding a baby, rocking them to sleep, or whether it was uh, providing one more plate at the table with with foster children, whether it was um, dad as a coach, that his whole thing uh, was that you didn't have to do something big, but you had to do something. Mm. And so growing up, I, um, I felt like that was a way that I could serve, that if I could serve leaders, then um, we, everybody would be better off. And so the mindset was, you can't be successful as a leader unless the people you're leading succeed. And so it was really an act of service of how do you serve people? And that's what I view it as of, um, it's, it's an honor to serve, but it is a, it's about serving people, not About anything else, really.
1: It sounds like your dad was a a hero in your life, really, just demonstrating that stuff. That's fantastic that you had that kind of relationship. And it also Mm -hmm. sounds like that was that that rocking as a fourteen year old uh, boy rocking a baby to sleep. That Mm -hmm. that that was a defining moment for you. Would you say that that is your most significant defining moment in your development as a leader?
2: You know there are there are a lot of moments like that. Mm. That that was just the norm. Um, I could literally tell stories all day about things like that. It was just the culture of that's how that's how it was was to be. I would say for me, um, it was. I had spoken at this event, and one of the professors at the university I was attending at the time uh, came to me afterwards. It was it's a. Um, it's a church related school and we had chapel every day and it was a big chapel. It seemed like huge to me. It was probably 3,500 students in the chapel wow. and we would have chapel every day. And so students would speak and things. And I was asked to speak and I was as nervous as could be. And I spoke and I got done. And then one of my professors, one that I just thought the world of, he said, Nathan, would you stop for a minute after class? I want to talk to you. And, and I stopped and, and, and he said, I really appreciated what you said today in chapel. And he said, I need you to be aware that people believe you when you say things. Hmm. So be careful with what you say, because what you say matters. Wow. And I, I, um, I took that to heart because of who this man was. And I recognized that um, um, if I'm going to live a life of service, that that people like him were a good example, because his humility was what drew people to him. And it was a few years later, I heard a a guy say at that same place, he said, have you ever noticed that humility always connects people and arrogance always separates them? And it just stuck with me. That's a good word. That that's the kind of thing. And so if I could take a thousand little moments like that, that all led to you are not your own. And the way I serve is no, no better than the way someone else serves, but it's all about how do you serve?
1: How do you make sure that as you're coaching Mm-hmm. And you got a minute to answer this question. So you have to keep that in mind mm-hmm. as you're coaching. How do you making sure that they understand those concepts that, that it's not about them, that humility is what draws people together, not uh, arrogance. How, how do you make sure that, how do you make sure that you're taking advantage of character building with mm-hmm. these, with these people that you're coaching?
2: You know, what's amazing to me is those
1: truths
2: resonate with people who have no similarity with me in worldview. That. I, I do believe these, are, these things are written on your heart. And right. what I find amazing working in a, a corporate environment, often with people who have uh, no shared belief with me, they know that's true. They, they, they know it to be true. Mm-hmm. And when I walk into a situation like that, one, it's not intelligence, it's not impressing them, it's not those things that's going to make the difference. Those people have never had someone love them like that before. And I find that the super hero moment, the the, the thing that connects, you know, allows you to, to make a difference is that they can tell that you love
1: them. <laughs> Powerful. We'll be right back with lots more from Dr. Nathan Meller, president of Strata Leadership. Field manuals have been around for decades. You and I are soldiers serving in the mission fields at work. The I Work For Him field manual are intended to provide the practical, tactical, factual, and biblical perspectives around work, women at work, and retirement. Our field manuals provide the detailed biblical information and faith Based how to's for Christ followers like you serving in the field. Go to iWorkForHim.com forward slash bookstore and request your free chapter today. That's iWorkForHim.com forward slash bookstore. Thanks for going digital. Welcome back. Super glad that you've tuned in. We are your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, and we're super glad to have Dr. Nathan Meller, president of Strata Leadership. He's also an adjunct at a couple of universities you may have heard of before. York College and Oklahoma Baptist University, have two colleges that are making an impact on people all over the country. Nathan, let's talk about the Christian Leadership Alliance. The Alliance is a place where leaders come to invest the best of what they know into other leaders. What leadership idea or thinking would you like to make sure that you invest as in the people that are listening to the podcast today, what's one thing you want to make sure they take home, whether they, didn't, whether they missed all the nuggets you give them up to this point in time or not? What's one thing you want to make sure they take home with them today?
2: You know, when my dad was uh, young, he really struggled in school and it was always a challenge for him. And a few years ago, we went on a, a road trip, which we never really did a whole lot of that. And we went through his hometown. And we pulled up to the school where he had attended the sixth grade for the second time, he mm. pointed out. <laughs> and he was in uh, what they called back then the slow kids class,
4: mm-hmm.
2: which is an unfortunate naming because there are a lot of bright people who aren't great at school. But we pulled up to this uh, school. And it was my dad driving it, and me and the, the passenger in the front there and my brother in the back seat. And he pulled up to the school and he pointed to the school and he said, uh, now uh, that's where my life was changed. Now, if you know him, he has a raspy voice being a coach all those years. He's damaged his vocal Mm -hmm. cords and he's a a very distinct um, communicator. And he said, uh, right there is where my life was changed. And uh, we're talking to him and he said uh, um, he was in the sixth grade. And he said that the principal Uh, came to the, he was walking past and he stopped my dad. And he said to my dad, uh, Dave, uh, we've got a new student in school today and his name is Daniel and Daniel can't read. And Dave, I would like for you to teach Daniel how to read. Hmm. And my dad looked at him and he said, "Um, I, I, I can't do that. And the principal said, well, why not? And my dad said, because I'm dumb And the principal, in the way you could only do in the 1950s said, well, Dave, you may be dumb, but you're not as dumb as Daniel. So teach Daniel how to read. And my dad's telling us the story and I thought it was going to be a happy, good story. And it was a tough story. And so I said, you said it changed your life. I said, what do you mean by that? And he I said, was this a good thing or a bad thing? And he laughed. He said, oh, it was a good thing. He said, because it was on that day that I realized I didn't have to be the smartest person in the world to make a difference. Wow. If I was just a little farther down the road than somebody else, I could help them. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. People wait and wait and wait to be prepared to do something great. And I would say that the the biblical model is that God always called people before they were ready to do things that he had in mind. And so for my dad, it was, how am I going to do this? I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, which just hurts me to hear him say, because we believe things about ourselves all the time that aren't true. Yeah. And here's the thing. The version of you at nine or 14 or 27 or 44 can have this belief about yourself that you say, well, I can't do this because of. And, and what if that's not true? Or what if it's not true anymore? And I would say that the one thing that people have to understand about leadership is that a small, a small thing matters. Hmm. My, my granddad was a um, letter carrier. That's what he was after the war. And that's not what he wanted to be. That was the job that was available. So he carried mail on his back for 30 years. That was job one. And job two is he was the janitor at the local uh, bank. In job three, he was a janitor at the local church. He's passed on nearly 25 years ago. A couple summers ago, I got asked to speak at the same place where he was, where they lived. A local university asked me to come and speak, and I was so happy to go. But I stayed over so I could go to church on Sunday because he was the janitor at the church our family attended. Hmm. And I walked in there, hadn't been there in 25 years. And what I remember about my granddad is on the weekends when he would clean the church, he would turn every songbook the same direction. And I asked him, why do you do that, granddad? And he said, it's what I can do. And I think, well, maybe if people come in here on Sunday morning and they see all the songbooks facing the same direction, that something really important is going to happen in here today because someone even cared about the little things like that. Hmm. Wow, And I think about that moment. And so I go to this church. It's been 25 years since he's passed. And he was sick for a few years before. And I walk into that church. And I open up the, the double doors. And I look out into the auditorium. And I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't really thought it out because, mm-hmm. uh, of course, they've gotten new songbooks. But every single one of those songbooks was facing the same direction. And I guarantee you the person that does that now doesn't know why. But sometimes you can, with a small action, create a standard that other people will choose to to take up that you maybe are even unaware of. And so do not think that the small things that you do don't matter. It's the small things that add up because God
1: has always done great things with small gifts. So true. Dr. Nathan Miller, president of Strata Leadership. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today it's a it's an honor and i'm thankful for you and thankful for what you're doing we're so thankful that you have tuned in today as well and we're hoping that something and i know there's tons of stuff in this podcast that just caused you to get grounded deeper in your faith that kind of shifted your thinking to understand that you don't have to be the smartest person in the world to make an impact on people Remember,
3: the wisdom in this podcast came to you by way of someone else. So if you loved it, say so and then share it with a friend.
1: You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I I work work for him. Him.